Well, thank you so much, guys, and I am very excited to be here today. And this is the first, this may well be the first episode of our riot conversation or occupational therapy conversation. And this is all about learning about occupational therapy, talking about occupational therapy, occupational therapy issues. For this particular session, um, we are uh, we have Joe, who's going to be joining us. Joe is not his real name. He is uh, he's an apprentice occupational therapist, and we're not going to tell you. We're not going to disclose where which university he's studying, and we will not disclose which hospital he's working as well. My name is How. Obviously, not my real name as well. I am also an occupational therapist. Well, I am an occupational therapist, and this time, me and Joe are having this conversation uh, about occupational therapy. So, welcome, Joe. Hello. Hello, guys. Uh, it's Joe. Hello. Good. Hello. All right. So, where are we? What do we need to learn today? What are we talking about? What are the issues? Uh, so, uh, currently, it's like I'm working on an assignment for my course, and we are learning about the theory of occupational therapy. Yeah. And the theories are, we, they gave us like this one thing, um, the OTIPM, the right. Occupational Therapy uh, Process. Okay. And um, from in that, they, they've given us loads of, um, like just two different models to work from. Mm -hmm. So this is the, the Canadian model. Uh, CMOP, that's the that's Canadian model, model of, of Occupational, occupational performance. performance. And Engagement. And engagement, okay. And um, and then the MOHO, which is the... Um, model, model of, of human, human occupation. occupation. Yeah. Okay, and you have a homework, particular uh, assignment, actually. So it's not a homework. It is, it is done at, yeah. at home. <laughs> you can, I think you can also do that in school or, or in the, at the university. So what is the, what's the nature of the, the assignment? So the nature of it really is that we are... Learn, we're just putting all, all our all the things we've learned throughout the module about mm -hmm. um, occupational therapy theories and then applying it into a case scenario of um, of a case scenario patient which is about long COVID. Okay, so you have a case scenario of a long COVID and now the the challenge is to apply uh, the, the model yes. and you're going through the process yeah. and the process of OT what do you call it? O o the OTIPM, the O-T-I-P-M. What this occupational therapy I stands for something and process. Yes, process, okay. yeah. Okay. And model, process model. Process right. and model, okay. So, and the process and model is all about assessment, treatment planning, and then intervention planning, isn't it? Yes. And then there's in the assessment, you have the information gathering, you have review of notes, patient interview, observation, I would imagine. Okay, but that's that's a straightforward thing, isn't it? So yes. the process is not a uh, is not a problem. You have discharge planning. Yes. So the whole process will have uh, we've got the evaluation and goal setting phase yes. for the OTIPM. So uh -huh. so in comparison to the the OT process which from Creek, uh -huh. that's like the um, referral and reason for contact mm -hmm. and information gathering. That's kinda like where the start of it is so that's for the initial the general initial information right that's kind of like the first step of okay. the process so the first process is learning about the patient mm -hmm. information gathering 
and then the goal setting as well, isn't it? Yes, that's uh, the goal set. Uh, so implementing, so part of the whole section is imp the implementation of the performance analysis and um, the um, evaluation, which is part also part of the goal setting phase. Okay. Now, so obviously we want to apply these things, and if we are going to apply this, we need to have a case. So tell me about the case. What is the case? It's long COVID. Yes. And is there anything else? So this patient is about, it's a long COVID patient that's, mm -hmm. um, that's recently just got out of um, hospital mm -hmm. and has been diagnosed with long COVID. Long COVID. And um, they, they had what, as soon as they got home, they got a temperature of um, like 38 degrees, so high temperature, mm -hmm. a case of um, confusion and delirium. And, At uh, home? Yeah. Wow. And shortness of breath. Right. And we've discharged this person from the hospital and back at home, the person has... Uh, this, um, this patient had uh, requirements for support level needed, really. So it just general deconditioning from the hospital stay. I and see. long COVID, um, like relative, related fatigue. Okay, so the reason for OT referral is that due to the discharge, due for discharge and patient requires assessment to determine the levels of support required and then there is a problem with general deconditioning from being in the hospital and then there is a dry cough mm -hmm. there is also a shortness of breath on exertion and the mood is impacted and it's sometimes lower times and the person is frustrated and they're worried about uh, about their recovery and they're a bit anxious as well yeah. so we know who referred person over to us it was a charged nurse okay so now we wanted to use the the models now do you okay so the first line of action then would be uh, how do we do this this is a yeah I mean I can I know what I need <coughs> to do but just tying it up with the the model of practice yeah mm -hmm. okay so I have here garlic. So the questions for like really in the, in the assignments would be like from the case study, what factors would indicate a referral for professional therapy, which we have just read. Okay, yeah, and so that's good. Well, garlic from all those um, sentences that the nursing charge said, we're just gonna evaluate on that and then expand on it okay so that's kind of like what the first question was about and then the second question would be like write one or two sentences describing your role as an occupational therapy apprentice uh, a therapist using a language that the client would understand okay so it's basically just us introducing ourselves to the client okay and then what we can provide for them okay so the first question let's go back to the first question and let's try to answer that so from the case study, what are the factors that would indicate occupational therapy? Um, so if you look at it, so the anxiety is an area. They're worried about their engagement because there's sh a shortness of breath. Yes. The shortness of breath from an occupational therapist perspective is not really the problem, but what could be the result, what would be the out, uh, out 
come of that so if there's a shortness of breath what would be the problem isn't it uh. and then the dry cough as well is that something that we can address that's a big question yeah. uh, there's general deconditioning from the hospital is that something that we can address and uh, due to the discharge uh, we they're just asking from an occupational therapy that's input okay so shall we look at this on the uh you know from the models that we have is there a question relating to the models do we want us to relate this to the models yeah. for the model question will be from what we learn about the client what are their strengths and challenges so using um, a model of the moho or the cmope mm -hmm. um identify occupational strengths and challenges really okay right and uh, so shall we choose one now what do you want to do is here we go on um, on I, I i can equally go on cmop and i can equally go on the um, moho hmm. but i think the tendency for people is that because most people, most of the practitioners are always going with something new, okay? And between the two, between MOHO and CMOP, the newer one is the CMOPE, or yeah. Canadian model, that's new. So people are trying to negate model of human occupation. But if we look back at the MOHO, there's just so much about it that we can use mm. that it actually answers to these things. So if we look at the MOHO, the person, so there are three parts of, of the, the, the aspect of the human being, which is their volition, their roles and habits, and then the last one would be their skills, their performance skills, isn't it? Yes. So on the volition, if you break down the volition, that would be their roles, uh, no, I mean values, interests, and personal causation, mm -hmm. okay? So the person having a, uh, what do you call this, uh, COVID? Yes. So that is a concern, isn't it? Yes. You know, when somebody is anxious, then your, your interest could be affected. The person's volition or their, their will could be affected as well. Yeah. Yeah. In parallel to the Canadian model, this would be the spirituality. Yes. The thing with spirituality is it's so hard to define. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the moho, you can tell. Yes. Isn't it's it? It's straightforward. Yes. So, so again, you can tell that the Canadian model has had a root from the moho. It was influenced by moho because moho came in first. Yeah. And then the Canadian model was developed afterwards. They just made the volition broad broad into spirituality yeah. but then how do you define so it's hard to treat spirituality yeah. now if you want to do some treatment with this person now then you go for the things that will have an impact on the person's interest on her values and her reason isn't mm -hmm. it so with this person now she's anxious so you want to find out so that's 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 the thing you know you want to find out the things that are of interest for the person. Yes. See, the case is not complete because we have not had a complete, thorough interview of the person. No, no. If I were to interview this person, I'd find out who this person is, mm -hmm. what makes it 
what makes her or him tick, what are the interests, what are the values, what is it the things, what are the things that they wanted, isn't it? Yeah. And when you do that, then you would be guided with your treatment and intervention. Yeah? Because you don't know at the moment. This is a case study and it's so limiting, so limited. And this is the limitation of some homeworks, guys. You know? But if you speak to the person, we don't know. So the person has shortness of breath. So what is, what's this causing the person, isn't it? How difficult are things? You know? So that's, let's go beyond or after the, the volition. The next thing would be habituation. And the habituation would be the roles and the habits, habits of the person. Yeah. So by knowing their roles and habits, how do you know? You do an interview. Mm-hmm. Find out their, their, if their family, like what's their role in the family. Exactly. Sort of yeah. is, is the person a mother? Mm-hmm. Do they do the cooking? Right, right there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And what are the habits? You know, the washing and dressing. You know, how do they do these things? Is it influencing on their habits? Isn't it? And at the moment, the habits, the demands are still there. The demands to do the washing, the dressing, the meal preparation, it's still there. But we don't know because we have not interviewed the person really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's something in terms of the assessment, that's one of the things that you would interview, yeah. isn't it? That you'd want to establish what are their roles, what are their habits. And then based on these roles and their habits, and then the next thing that you would find out is the now it's the per- the performance aspect yeah what are the skills of the person and at the moment the skills is the one that we are forgetting because this has not really been expanded in a lot of places uh but it is if you refer to uh, some of Karl Hofner's book about the model of human occupation and there are workbooks in uh, on on this you know the skills of interpersonal or communication skills so communication skills is still there, isn't it? So it's not a problem for this person. Mm-hmm. Although the cough, the dry cough could influence a person when they are communicating with other people. That's it, yeah. So what's, this, what's the implication of this dry cough? If you're talking to other people, you know, would you be infecting others? Mm. Would you start to advise them about about protection or wearing a mask because if you educate them and you give them advice about putting on a mask that's an intervention so that can be you know that's that's something that you probably can advise so that's interpersonal skills the other one is the process skills their actual ability to do things and to have that process skills the person needs to have the perceptual motor skills as well and the thinking skills yeah so cognition wise with mm. your case there is no issue there, cognition wise there is nothing apart from the initial with the background which they had uh, confusion and delirium i see but but i would imagine that would have that would have been like, resolved that would have been resolved before they left the hospital i would have assumed mm. but the only the thing that i'm kind of like struggling with in these homeworks is um we get so little information mm-hmm. in this case study that right. we can't even um, sort of make up um, a progression path or even um, a starting point, really. And you're not allowed to <laughs> fill in the gaps, are you? Um, we, can, we can sort of um, make, make it up as we go along. 
that kind of that sort of the things that kind of like makes us different from other students is we can make our own things from looking at this. Right. Okay. That'd be my advice then. So I, I think you're right. Based on this, so have a picture mm. of this person. Write down in your homework. Have a picture of who this person is. Let's have a better story. You know, they live in alone in a house. Yeah. Slept upstairs. The toilets are upstairs and downstairs. The bathroom, there is a shower over the bath. And they're previously independent. So they're living alone. They don't drive. They enjoy seeing grandchildren and cooking. And, cooking yeah. and would go out for family for social engagement. So, okay. So the performance skills then would be what are their current abilities at the moment? Mm. So if now on the OTPIM or on the process, on the assessment phase, you've already established who the person is because you know a good, you have a good proportion of their information about their habits and, yeah. and what they do. Their social histories. Yeah. Social history. And that falls on the category of the, the habituation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is what they value, you know, their grandchildren being yeah. part of the family. And you would imagine that they, the values that they value independence. Yes. Isn't it? So now the skills is can they or can they do it? Yeah, the next thing that you do in terms of assessment is you need to establish a way on how to assess it and you can do this by direct observation, isn't it? From as a clinician, you don't want to just rely on people telling you what they're doing. Yes. What you want to do is you pop in and you want to actually see them, how they're performing. And you start with a basic. You start with a basic ADLs. Mm -hmm. And the ADLs is can they get out of bed, yes or no? The next is, can they go from the bed to the chair? You have to describe that. You have to observe that. Can they walk to the toilet? Yeah. It, it's all about answering these things. Can they shower on their own? Can they put on their clothes? Can they wipe their bottom? Can they take their medication? These are the basic things that you would need coming from the hospital. Yeah. And you quantify their abilities at the moment because it's abilities. You quantify it by, I mean, in other countries, it's mild, moderate, maximum assistance or they are independent or dependent. Mm -hmm. But I think in this part of the world, people would describe it as dependent, assistance of one, assistance of two, you know, set up assistance or modified independence and then independent. So that's the assessment that you'd go through because you're coming from the hospital isn't it yeah so if there at any point that you once you have established what their abilities are the next thing that you would do in terms of your treatment is you then find out you answer whether are you going to restore their abilities in which case you'll have washing and dressing practice isn't it mm -hmm. you just practice it over and over but if they have difficulties and they have shortness of breath, yeah. which is in this scenario, you might advise them to pace themselves. In that treatment, so the person would say, for example, they have difficulty washing, standing because they have shortness of breath. Yeah. So your objective then would be for them to be able to wash with ease. And how do you do that? you can compensate by getting them 
a perching stool or a shower chair. Yeah, so that equipment. Yeah. Yes. So that becomes a modified treatment. So when you do a modified intervention, you get them to sit down and then they can shower. Once you have given it to them afterwards, then the outcome of your goal, of your objective is that now, because I have given, because you have given a, a chair, a shower chair, now the person can shower with ease and with less report of shortness of breath, mm-hmm. isn't it? If they have shortness of breath, putting on their clothes, and so your objective would be, you cannot resolve the shortness of breath. No. It's not the problem that you can address as an OT. What you can address is, you know, they're dressing. You know, the problem is the patient can dress, but with difficulty because of the shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. So your objective is the patient will be able to put on their clothes with ease. Because the problem was difficulty, you're resolving the problem of difficulty by making it Easy. with ease. Yeah. And when you make it at ease, then you can then aim for, uh, again, you can teach them to put on their clothes with sitting down. Sitting down, yeah. So that would be a modified intervention. So after you've taught them, put on your clothes, sit down, sitting down, yeah. Then afterwards, and they say, oh, yes, Joe, yeah, I can put on my clothes much better. Mm-hmm. Then there you go. Then, then you, they, can, they can put on their clothes with ease. Or alternatively, if that becomes a sustained problem, yeah. you may want to put in supportive intervention in the form of reablement care or carers that will see them in the community. Okay. Is it making sense? Yeah, so uh, with those like relevant care and uh, like carers, yeah. would they be able to do some sort of like a backward chaining sort of process sort of thing? Yeah, so I mean, the, the reablement care mm-hmm. are carers with the intention to get them to the level where they were. Mm-hmm. So whatever technique that they need to do, then the, yes, it's probably, you know, they, they probably don't name it in such. No, but yeah. yeah. But there are carers that if you say, let let them be independent with washing and dressing, keep on practicing with them, and that's what they will try to do. So they will provide the standby assist, and they will provide the, um, the, the assistance. Now, it becomes so complicated, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's just do a little, a, a little breather on that like this. Yeah, there we go. So it's a little bit complicated, uh, but did it did it make sense a little bit, or still a bit complex, isn't it? Um, it did make sense, like using the um, like Mara, as you said, like just to look at the um, the referral or like the history of the person. Yeah, and it kind of like builds you. You're building kind of like a background, like a picture of what the person's going to be, even though you have so limited information that you've given to you. Yes. You can picture it and you can add stuff by yourself. Yeah. So in this particular case, we know what the person values. She's got grandchildren. She values independence. Okay. And then the next thing, the habituation is their roles and habits. Can they do it? Can they do it consistently? Mm-hmm. And your object, you're coming from the hospital. You want to make sure that they're able to do these things consistently. So that's their roles and habits. And by, you do, by doing things regularly, then you're, you're building up the habit. So you're fulfilling that habituation side of things. The problem here at the moment is the skills. Yes. Because the performance skills is limited by the breathlessness. And it is not 
like something that you can snap a finger and resolve that. So this is a symptom that you have to live with. And what do you do as an occupational therapist? You need to go around it. Yeah. You need to compensate. You need to work with it, either through adaptation, changing the processes, or having support in terms of carers. And by doing things over and over, there is a chance for the person to improve a bit more. And there, that, would be, that would build up on the restorative side of things. So yeah, it's just, it is kind of like a, a step-by-step process sort of thing. So you start with, um, with what you say, uh, compensatory yes. like adaptation, and yes. then it builds up until they can do it themselves, that where their shortness of breath like resides. And there we go. And this, you're, you're onto something here. You know what this is? It? You know what I'm talking about here? You're onto something, you just probably don't know, but when I tell you the definition, it's like, is that what it is? This is the top-down and the bottom-up approach. When you are compensating first Mm -hmm. and you're getting things done by compensating, yeah, by the supportive intervention, you are getting things done. Yeah. Yeah? With whatever compensation. This is from the top Top, down. Yeah? Get the things done. Do it. Yeah. That's the top. That's the ultimate. You know, you compensate, you do it. That's the top down. The bottom up is you practice with this person with regular exercises. You're addressing that, that endurance. You build the endurance up. So you're building the components. You're improving the components because you would have an understanding that once the endurance is addressed, then you'd be able to wash and dress much easier. Yeah. Yeah? That would be the bottom up. Okay. Yeah? Does it make sense? Yeah, that yeah, that's makes sense. Yeah. Yes. But you're coming in the hospital. In your scenario, you're in the hospital. And you need to get the person out and home. Mm-hmm. And you need to get it done regardless. So your first approach, coming from the hospital, because you're aiming to get the person out, would be, a top-down top yeah. approach. Now, once the person is at home and say you are an occupational therapist working in the community mm-hmm. and every, the person is, has carers, the person has all the adaptation, then what are you going to do? Going to build back up. Yes. And that's when you can start giving activities and exercises because everything else is sorted out. And then the next thing to do is to improve everything else. And you can now address the endurance, the strength. There's no issues with range of motion. Yeah. So that becomes, your approach now becomes a bottom up. Yeah. 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 All right. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. Excuse me. Okay. All right. There we go. So, um, so that's Moho. How much time are we doing this? I do not know. It's possibly 27, almost 30 minutes now. So that's quite a a hefty conversation. Mm. Um, Right. That's That's moho. It's beautiful. It's so, it's sort of like, it's straightforward. It is. You can just, I like it. It's got structure to it. It is. 
and and mind you, I'm 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 a clinician for about twenty twenty five years now, so I won't tell you my age, but but when I was the um the thing, I think the parameters. You look this up in in the Moho, and I'm sure Karl Hofner has has a book about this. And I remember reading this in the book written by Jim Hinojosa in Pedret, uh, uh and that would be on occupational therapy, something to do with pediatrics. But he talked about the Moho as well. It says on the performance skills, you can address the skills regardless of what approach you use. You can use performance skills. You can do bio biomechanical approach. Mm -hmm. You can do neurodevelopmental approach. You can do behavioral approach. If that's what it takes, you can do that in improving the performance skills. So it, is, it, 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 it embraces everything. So you can have loads of different interventions for yes, it. Yes, yeah. because those are frame of reference. Those are treatment frames of reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If the problem is neurological, then you do NDT. And that's fine. It's a frame of reference. It's different from a model, mm -hmm. isn't it? So the treatment approaches is like, by if the person, this one, if you're going to treat the skills and the person's problem is endurance, and that would be a biomechanical approach where you build up the endurance. So which means you're going to provide activities that has a lot of repetition and building it up over time, the repetition, mm -hmm. but with less resistance. Yeah, so that is a Endurance, that's how you improve endurance as opposed to improving a strength where you have the same repetition but you have increasing resistance. Mm. Isn't it? That's yeah. how you strengthen it. But this time, with the shortness of breath, if you're doing a bottom-up approach, you're going to get him to do something, activities preferably, rather than exercises. Because if it's exercises, then you know that's duplicated with physiotherapy. Yeah. But if you do therapeutic activities that has those that has that uh, that 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 uh, what do you call it parameters or that characteristic an activity that involves gross movement, a lot of repetition. So what activity then can you design for this person that will improve the endurance? It's putting oh. putting you on on the spot. Oh, <laughs> it's God. quite tricky, isn't it? Sh say the person is at home. Uh, there's maybe loads of maybe just cooking, cleaning. Yeah, there we go. Wiping the table, yeah. that involves the big movement. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of movement. Do it while standing up. You know, and you know, this is now you're approaching it from a bottom up. So if you're from a top down, you don't want them getting tired. But this time you're resolving it. So you, you get them to do like wiping the countertop, that's fine. Or you get them to hold them up mm -hmm. and then like sweep the floor little by little, just pace yourself. Because the more you do these things, the more your performance will improve. The more your endurance will improve. Yeah? Oh. It's like wax on, wax off. Have you heard of that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's like, Karate Kid. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. So, there you go. Um, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Joe is just so impressed. He he quoted God. Okay. Yeah, that was that was actually the fourth questions on my on my homework there. Yeah. Like the, I, we talked about the top down and the bottom up. Uh -huh. 
Okay. There you go. And then the next thing would be goal setting and intervention planning. It just depends on what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So if their problem is dressing, you can aim for their dressing to be independent. So if they're yeah. not dependent or they're dependent, you want them to be independent. So that just depends on the problem. You're just changing the problem into the opposite of that problem. Yeah. yeah. If they're putting on their clothes or showering, say showering is an issue, and they're showering with difficulty, what's the opposite of that? Ease. Yeah. So your goal would be person will be able to shower ease. with ease, yeah. isn't it? Uh, the person cannot wipe their bottom. What do you want them to do? Be able to wipe it. That's it. Very good. Uh, so that would be the goals, you know? It just okay. depends. Now, the anxiety, that's really hard to... Yeah. How do you address anxiety? Uh, for, like, for me, I like, tend to just... I, I just can't like, go through it. <laughs> Isn't it? It's I, very difficult. Now, and, I'm, and, I, and, I'm, and, and I appreciate how challenging this would be for you as a student, and even for me, because if I just give you the word anxiety... How do you address anxiety? So you will be less anxious? Mm. Is that how it's going to be? Isn't it? It's just got, we can't really put something on it because we don't, I don't even know what they're anxious about, what sets off their anxiety. There or, we go. Um, so that can be a goal, you know, mm -hmm. for a person to know what sets their anxiety, what increases their anxiety. So this one, your approach then becomes different because it becomes now uh, almost on the psychosocial intervention rather than a physical dysfunction where you sit down with a patient, you talk to them, yeah. and you have this almost like a exploration of what they feel, isn't it? So what are, you can ask them, what are the things that is anxious to you or, or that makes you anxious? And then once, so your objective would be oh, for a patient to identify the things that makes her anxious and you do that by having a dyadic conversation with the patient and now you are aware isn't it so the outcome of that is that the patient will tell you the patient will tell themselves and then you'll know what are the things that causes their anxiety yeah now that the patient is aware the next objective would be to tackle it to like overcome it exactly or that's one way how do you tackle it uh I suppose you break it down into why it makes you anxious. Exactly. And you can actually make, uh, you can get the person to develop some methods oh, okay. on how they can control their anxiety. It just depends. You know, different people, different strokes, different tickles, isn't it? So for other people, it's like when you're anxious, you've established what causes them anxiety. You can teach them. You can offer them solutions. Can I teach you? A person will learn how to do autogenic relaxation. Meaning you'll have to develop that skill or know how to do that. You know, close your eyes, then relax your, you know, relax your forehead or progressive relaxation. Relax your forehead, relax your shoulder, relax your arm, relax your legs. You know, so that you could not, you couldn't manage anxiety, but as an occupational therapist, you could aim for the person to know how to address, because that's what you're teaching the person, isn't it? Yeah. You can give them the tools, you know, but you can't 
guarantee. You know, like for example, you give them a hammer, mm. but you can guarantee that they'll build a house. Yeah. Isn't it? But you'll give them an opportunity to build a house. You see what I mean? By giving them a hammer. Okay. That becomes a little bit philosophical now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It becomes a Kung Fu, Yin Yang, and very uh, Eastern-y thing. Okay. Um, are we okay? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, really good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, describe the intervention that you would use and what are the goals. Again, so some of the goals depending on what the problems are. And you may have to have a hypothetical problems, you know, yeah. can they dress with difficulty? They have, they, maybe the patient does not know how to manage their anxiety. So patient will know how to manage their anxiety, will de develop systems on how to manage their anxiety. Okay. Uh, and then intervention, again, you have a choice of uh, restorative intervention. Is it going to be a modify intervention? Is it going to be a supportive intervention? Okay. And uh, I mean, it's easy enough. And I don't think this is quite fair to just confine yourself on, mm. on, the, on the two models. Actually, it's not too bad because if you go with Moho, again, in the Moho, it just states, if you dig into it, you'll find that part where they say, you can use any other, yeah. any other treatment approaches. And that will then give you a, a, a reason to use biomechanical treatment. You know? So you'll find that you know, if you just dig into that somewhere. It will be out there. Um, okay, so that's, I think that's what's the strength of Moho. And you know, from my personal experience, university when i qualified moho when i discovered it, it was like wow that was amazing mm -hmm. because it's there everything else is there isn't it um now and then the canadian model i i read it and it's something that is i think it's enabling occupation yes. by mary law that would have been the the book that all ot's in the united in the in canada or that's their reference they have a national you know, that's a national model. So all OTs have the same model. Yeah, that's how they all think. They all think the same. That's, that's you know, you know, go Canada. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's amazing. But it just has the spirituality, which is an analogy to the volition. It doesn't tell you about the habits and the roles. But it tells you that for a person to be able to engage in the things that they need to do, they need to have a balance, physical ability, mm -hmm. thinking ability, and emotional ability. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't guide you as to what kind of approach you do. No, it really doesn't. It's just kind of like, as you say, they just say, like, can they do it? And then do they want to do it? Yes. And, uh, it, it just doesn't, you know, no. because it's a model. It's how you see a person, you know. So there you go. Uh, any other questions there? Uh, no. What's that thing about w w w Woof? W oh, this, that's, those are just like um, explaining the obligations in relation to data recording and management. And in so reference. it's all about just kind of like legislation. So uh, yeah. I'm just going to try and I just wrote those those stuff down so I can like look at all the guidance and. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are some, 
Um, when it comes to that legislation-wise, I mean, yeah, we were guided by the HCPC. There are rules in there. There are publications about their standards of practice <coughs> for the RCOT. I believe uh, there is a standard of practice that you do. There are code of ethics <coughs> as well. There are publications for that. Um, while it is interesting that we do here in the United Kingdom, I would it be interesting to compare it to the American <laughs> uh, uh, ethics, uh, the, 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 the core values. If you look at Spackman, Willard and Spackman, yes. it is there. I think from the 8th edition, 7th, 8th, or 9th edition, it is in, in the appendix. So that would be my recommendation because... You know, the value of autonomy, not beneficence, non-maleficence, justice. You know, these are the ethical values or, uh, yeah, I, I think those are some of the things. Uh, I, I don't know it yeah. from the top of my head extensively. Whereas in the RCOT, it's more explicit that you have to, you, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you should do this. It's more of a, it's more of a, uh, for lack of better words, uh, micromanagement. Yeah. They'll tell you that you shouldn't, you should, you shouldn't, you should. Whereas on the other, uh, I I other associations, it is the actual value, you know, the actual, uh, yes, yeah, values in, of, of the profession, whether it's you yeah, know, autonomy. Doc yeah, documenting everything. Yeah. I mean, it Confidentiality, it's con yeah. trust, mm -hmm. you know, it's things like that. Because so. um, I had from one of my lectures, like they would, they would, they would be using the notes in some cases um, for sort of like court cases mm -hmm. so use the notes from OT from hand therapy or like yeah. pediatrics yeah. That sort of thing. and they use all the notes that they've done and they've gathered and they present it so it's always good to document it in a, in a like really precise way yeah of course yes you don't add you don't take mm -hmm. it is what it is so documentation becomes very important and I think this could be a topic that we can be discussing at some point yeah. in the future as well. Okay, are we happy? Yes, very happy. Thank you. Yes, that when we got to like middle of Moho, when we got down to the like to the top down and bottom up, that thing that kind of like answered most of my questions inside my head. I was just kind of like, oh, I could write this down. I could write that. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> so good. So just kind of like got up loads of them. So now the next challenge for me now is just getting all the the papers and. Yes. The articles that can support me in there you what go. I'm thinking now. <laughs> yeah, good luck. And uh, that's all I can say. Good luck because at the moment this would be your door to pass on. It's your road. So, Joe, I wish you good luck. But if there's anything at any point, you can give me a call again. My name is How. I am your occupational therapist. And, guys, if you are listening uh, and if you enjoyed this, Pass the information around, talk to friends, have this conversation, learn together as clinicians. And uh, just remember, anything you do matters and has an outcome. So I'd like to say goodbye. Joe, I'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank All you. Right. Bye. <laughs>